You're good. We're, everything is good. And I'm going to um, share this right now while we're talking um, before I actually get started. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? Good. Hi, Alvina. Hi, Alvina. I missed you. Okay, let's go ahead and get started with our lesson today. Um, let me just ask anyone before we get started, was there anything that grabbed your attention out of this lesson? Anything in particular? Sister, you shouldn't have asked me that. <laughs> Quite a few stuff grabbed my attention. I highlighted some stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's okay, a lot well. <laughs> Well, let, let, let's, uh, let, okay, so uh, Patsy, let's, let's talk about uh, maybe, maybe the first three or four paragraphs. Was there anything in there that grabbed your attention? Okay, I'm waiting for you to get to the second paragraph then. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay. Some big um, paragraphs. I had something on the first part. Okay. And it's what kind of uh, right, we're talking about address to the young. And it's talking about the young people, young Sabbath keepers given to pleasure seeking. And it says they're constantly grasping after something to satisfy their desire for change and for amusement. And it reminds me that uh, many times in the church, you know, the young people want to try and jump up and run stuff, <laughs> you know, hey, let's do this. Let's change this. Let's do all this. And they have no clue really what the church beliefs are at that point. They have no understanding of why we do things or did things the way that we did it. And they just wanted to change something. It didn't matter what it was. They just didn't like what we were doing and wanted to change it. And as, as leaders in the church or more mature Christians, you have to realize that and you can't just let young people just take over. You know, it's good that they have new ideas and energy, but they still have to be moderated with some mature Christians and a lot of times the mature Christians just want to turn it over to the youth. Well, if you do that, you just ask them for problems. Because as she's saying, they just want to change for the sake of change and just constantly be doing stuff different. But we know that with God, he has principles and, and, and um, his will and his scriptures that he wants us to follow. And that's why as more mature Christians, we're supposed to temper the energy of the young and temper their ideas so that somebody can say, well, that's a great idea. However, let's think about doing it in this manner and not just swapping everything all at once type of thing. You know, give them some guidance and direction so that their ideas are listened to and their concerns are listened to, but it has to be moderated and balanced with experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's very interesting. And in that first paragraph, she also says that she said, unless they are undeceived and their sensibilities aroused so that they can say from the heart, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, they're not worthy of him and will come short of everlasting life. It's interesting because uh, I had my grandson over, um, wasn't, I think it was last weekend. And, you know, <laughs> he, um, he didn't want to go outside and walk. He didn't want to be outside at all. Uh, he he really wanted to be on, and I do have some Sabbath games on my phone. So, but he all he wanted to do was just play Sabbath games on my phone. And so it's funny because young people today, or the younger ones, you know, they don't want to be outside. They will never, they will never be told, 
um, you better get in before the street lights come on because they're not out there anyway. They don't want to be outside. <laughs> but they are looking for that. They are, I call the um, the uh, fast fast paced generation, just like fast food, the fast paced generation. And, it, and, they, and they want it now. They want everything now. They want the, and, and they want it coming at them. They don't want to have to go out to find it. They want it coming at them. And the devil is more than happy to oblige that because he can bring so much stuff coming at them just through the phones and the TV and the computers and all of that, that, and the games that they're playing that, um, they can just sit there and devil brings everything to them. The microwave generation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she says further down in that paragraph, the young generally are in a terrible deception and yet they profess godliness. Their unconsecrated lives are a reproach to the Christian name. Their example is a snare to others. They hinder the sinner. They hinder the sinner for in nearly every respect, they are no better than unbelievers. They have the word of God, but its warnings, admonitions, reproofs, and corrections are unheeded as are also the encouragements and promises to the obedient and faithful. God's promises are all on condition of humble obedience. So, um, and that, that said a lot right there, you know, just basically talking about professed Christians, which that's across the board, you know, professed Christians, professed Christian, no matter what their age. Yeah, I agree. We're a little bit down. It says, I feel alarmed as I witness the frivolity of young men and women who profess to believe in the truth. But like he's saying, it's not just the young people. You know, there are plenty of adults who uh, basically are just as frivolous as anybody outside the church. But they can mm -hmm. they uh, tell everybody that they're Christian. Meanwhile, they acting like non-Christians and it's confusing to people. That's why a lot of times people say, oh, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites they run into people who are being hypocritical to mm -hmm. say yeah i'm a christian but then you're doing everything that the world's doing it's a terrible example to those who are truly trying to find the lord mm -hmm. and she says god does not seem to be in their thoughts their minds are filled with nonsense their conversation is empty vain talk and they have a keen ear for music and satan knows this and says she says uh he knows what organs to excite, to animate, to engross, and to charm the mind so that Christ is not desired. Now, you know, we know that music can go either way. Music can draw us closer to Christ or it can be of that mindless, uh, that mindless uh, category that, you know, we don't even think about Christ and we, 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 we gravitate towards the world and the things in the world and the things that the world has to offer. So, um, it's not necessarily that music is 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 uh, wrong or bad. It's just what music are, are are any of us, not just young people, again listening to. Yeah. Okay. Now that we in that paragraph with the music. Oh my goodness, Lord help me. I I I, did, I guess I just ne I wasn't into that thing with the rapping. So one day I was at the Unified School and I, you know, I was volunteering there in the gym and a, a young man came to me and he said, I want you to hear this. And he started doing all this rapping and it was supposed to be about Jesus. And he said, I'm going to enter it in the, I guess the Federation they were having, what a contest for whatever, you know, how we do as far as the youth. 
And he said, did you understand? And I said, I didn't understand nothing. And it, unfortunately, he told his mother, and she she got real upset with me. And I told her, I said, I, I said I, that the question was, did I understand it? I said, I didn't want to lie to him. I said, but I didn't. And I'm telling y'all to this day, she was hurt. He was hurt. So I apologize. I said, but I never, I told her, I said, don't take it personal. I said, I never could understand rap. But, but you know, and I seen in his face, and I, I came home, and I can remember, I prayed. I said, Lord, I hurt that child's feelings, but I couldn't understand it. Hmm. Okay. All right. Um, you know, I don't know if you didn't understand his his diction or you didn't understand his thought process in the song, but um, it doesn't really matter. Um, but again, music can be a, a, a an aid to our spiritual walk or it can be a hindrance to our spiritual walk, either one. Yeah, I think even rap music, you can have good rap music. It's just a different genre of music. You know, you can say anything, but a lot of the rap music uh, is just horrifying. The lyrics that are in there, you know, they catch you with the music and the beat, but the lyrics are terrible. You know, just talking mm -hmm. about all kind of evil things to do to right. people, women right. and do to other men and kill them. Right. It's just a shame. But you could have good rap music also with a positive message. But I recall uh, one pastor, he refused to have any kind of rap music. He just didn't believe rap music was good for anything. But I think you could have positive rap music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I think too often, like I said, my generation, you know, we, we, when I hear a song, you know, I'm just going to choose one like, you know, it says, uh, like, he lives. You know, I'm listening to where he lives. You know, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. We're into hearing the words and bringing meaning to where the young people, they can rap to each other and put God in something. And the only thing I can find, the only thing I can hear is the word God, but I don't, can, my, my mind is not connecting to the other parts. So that's what's hard about it. But I think, you know, we have some youth that do good gospel rap and i just like i said i'm just one of those people i can't understand it other than when i hear the word jesus or god y'all remember uh sheila lacoste and sheila and mike her son he's pretty good rapper he's a gospel rapper he's pretty good mm -hmm. last time mm -hmm. i heard him yeah sometimes <laughs> Tessie, I think I do uh, understand what you're saying. It's kind of like a foreign language to you and that you don't really understand the words. Um, you have to kind of listen to that stuff before it really begins to differentiate itself out. It's kind of like if I listen to Spanish, it's, um, I just don't get it. But I'm convinced that the more I listen to it, the more I'll be able to catch words that I know, do know, you know, and stuff so it, it means you probably have to if you wanted to if you were interested in listening to uh gospel rock uh rap for a minute and then you can pick it up sometimes people make music just because they throw god in it they call it christian music and it's not the only thing lovely in it with just the name of god and that's it well, that's what, true too i mean like what do you mean by that It'd be the hard, fast beats that sound something like you hear in the club. Trap music. Sound. I mean, it's just ridiculous, some of the rap music. But 
but you that know, question we, supposedly. We don't realize this, but a whole bunch of those um, hymns or comes from music that was played in salons, saloons back in the day. You know, they come from that type of um, music. We don't. It does affect us because you know we didn't go to saloons. We don't know the the songs of the of that time period. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I, I remember I when we were uh, up at the uh, general. Well, we were up in in uh, we're Battle Creek, Michigan, for three um, ABN's twenty fifth anniversary, and so we went into what, the building that was the original uh, general conference um, building or whatever, and um, they had some songbooks from that time uh, in there, because it's basically an Adventist museum at this point. And one of them was about, it was about smoking in the street and spitting in the spittoons. And it was a hymn in the book. <laughs> <laughs> and we just thought that was hilarious. But I guess at that time, they were trying to divert people's minds away from smoking. And so I guess it made sense to them at that time. You know, we should, um, one of the things I know over at Northside, whenever I was doing a prayer meeting, sometimes I would just read a hymn instead of singing it, just read it and ask people to listen to the words because some of those hymns are really amazing. The words that they're using and what their thought is and the, the plot of the story, they're just amazing, you know, and really songs are poems set to music, just like rap, poems mm -hmm. set to music. And the, it's what their uh, their content is what really matters. The song and the, the melody, that's all good. You can hold a melody and sing it and all that. But try reading some of the hymns just to understand the words and what these people are saying. It's amazing some of the messages they had. That's what the elder at uh, the Alton SBA church, he does. He uh, often has, has reads over the words. And then he'll say, think about them, and then we'll sing them. Mm -hmm. And then the music, you talk about like a beat. You know, I love a beat to music, for real. Um, but it's what you bring to it. You know, like uh, any song, I mean, it can be really a good, holy song. If you did slow dancing, you might be able to find yourself slow dancing to a Christian song. So it's what you're bringing. Your interpretation of the music is what makes it good or bad. And I'm not talking about stuff that's obvious, like somebody talking about what, like we said, what they want to do to you, shooting your brains out. I'm not talking about unholy passion being expressed to lyrics in lyrics. I'm talking about Christian music that may, you know, it may have a beat to it. And I'm not for sure that a beat is wrong. Okay. Um... And then she says, because of that music, just at the bottom of this paragraph, she said, the spiritual longings of the soul for divine knowledge and for a growth in grace are wanting. So now we're getting into the paragraph. Patsy, I don't know if you already said what you wanted to say about the music, but the second paragraph, was there anything that you wanted to say about the second paragraph about the music, Patsy? No, I think that that tied the first one in with the, with the second one. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. And, and again, she's continuing about the music and just basically saying that um, the introduction of the music into their homes instead of inciting to holiness and spirituality has been the means of diverting their minds from the truth. And then she talks about 
the frivolous songs of the day, which is the popular sheet music of, of that day, which we've come a long way from only having sheet music to, uh, to um, you know, popular sheet music to learn songs from and to, and to learn music from with, 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 you know, the invention of radio and of course TV and now computers, we're getting music from all different sources. Um, and she says that uh, the basically she's saying the instruments of music have taken time which should have been devoted to prayer. And I guess at that point, she's talking about, about the young people were playing the sheet music on the piano, uh, which now we know that uh, <laughs> they don't have to do that anymore to, to listen to the popular music of the day. Uh, but she says, and what we were discussing, music when not abused is a great blessing, but when put to the young, wrong use, it's a terrible curse. She said it excites, but does not impart that strength and courage, which the Christian can find only at the throne of grace, while humbly making known his wants and with strong cries and tears, pleading for heavenly strength to be forfeited against the powerful temptations of the evil one. So as we said, music can go both ways. It can lead our souls and draw our souls out in worship to Christ, or it can lead us and draw us out, you know, to the, to, to the enemy of Christ either one and music is we always said this music is the one thing that goes into your 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 head into your ears without your permission you know and so uh there may be times when you didn't intentionally learn a song but because you heard it often enough you know the words to it like a lot of the jingles on tv you know um you know the words to some some songs and so if i said uh the best part of waking up soldiers Right. And I don't even drink coffee, but I, right. I know soldiers. Right. It's called subliminal seduction in business school. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's not the only one. There's others, but I won't go into the others. But uh, there's many like that, that, you know, we know them just because we've heard them. And, you know, they didn't ask permission to, and we, we didn't intentionally try to learn them, but, you know, we know them. Um, and so we have to be careful. Uh, you know, as I was growing up and I believe as Andre was growing up too, they always talked about guarding the avenues of your soul, you know? And so, huh? They still talk about it. They still talk about it. Yes, they do. Yes. Yeah. And so that's part of it as to what you have on, you know, um, I remember when I went out to visit my children out in California and my daughter-in-law, they would have the TV on. They would turn the TV on at night for the baby. And I said, no, nah, you don't want to do that. You need to turn that off because you don't know what that's playing into his ears at night when he's sleeping. And I said, you're going to wake up one day and wonder why he's acting like this or that or the other. And that's because you leave the TV on while he's sleeping all night. So, um, you know, we have to guard the avenues of our souls. And that includes the things that we don't voluntarily put in, but we have them on. So they're, they're being put into us, you know, without our permission. Uh, let's go down to the next paragraph where she talks about children obeying your parents for this is, this, this is right in the Lord. And she says, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And then she talks about children who dishonor and disobey their parents and disregard their advice and instructions. And she says they can have some part in the earth made new? No part. No part. 
no part in the earth made new. And she said the purified new earth will be no place for what? Rebellious, disobedient, uh-huh. ungrateful, ungrateful. Right, right. And she says, unless they learn obedience and submission here, they will never learn it. Never no, learn it. I don't think people, you know, a lot of people haven't read that. But that's the reason why we need to discipline our children. It don't just have to be beating on them. But somehow you got to teach your kids right from wrong because of what we just read. If you can't honor and respect your parents, you're not going to make it to heaven because you don't respect your own parents. You're not going to respect God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes parents think they being kind by not disciplining their children. Well, you're doing the worst thing for them possible. You mm-hmm. have to let them know this is right. This is wrong. This is the way to go. This is how the Lord wants us to be and teach them that. Otherwise, you basically just uh, leading your children down the road to destruction by not well, taking proper care. Do of you them. remember when you used to be in church and you, if you got ready to do something, your parents, both of them would just look at you and you knew just by the look, I, I better not do it. I can't do what the other kids do in church because my parents don't play it. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. that look. You know, it's funny. Something I've I've experienced with this younger generation that have children now is that their child will do something so disrespectful, and they just laugh and think it's funny. Mm-hmm. You know, until they and get I, older, then it right. Ain't and I tell them, anymore. I said, "You create a monster. You better check that. You better put that in check. You know, because that's not cute. I mean, they think it's cute now, but it's definitely not going to be cute when they get older. Mm-hmm. When they turn you know? teenagers, well, I then think- they're mad. I think, Karen, the society is teaching them to be friends with your children instead of being a parent. And so the young generation is like, well, I'm going to be friends with my kids because that's going to make them like me. Mm -hmm. You're right. I told my kids, I'm not going to be your friend until y'all about 25, 30. (laughs) (laughs) They still going to be your babies even when they 30. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Better yeah, but at that respected. point, all you can do is give them advice rather than structure and guidance, you know. It's better to be respected than liked. And mm-hmm. we have to recognize that our duty as parents, as the scripture says, is to train our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Right. Not to be their friends. We can be friendly, but don't act like you're on their level. Don't act like they're on your level. You mm-hmm. have a job to do, and that's training your children properly educating them and taking good care of them, pointing them Mm -hmm. to the Lord. But, you know, as as was pointed out, too many people trying to be friends and too many parents thinking it's cute. You know, if your child is acting a total fool towards you at a little young age, when he turns to a teenager where they naturally become rebellious most of the time anyway, now you're going to be crying and you should (laughs) have disciplined them when they were young. It's a lot easier than trying to discipline a teenager. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, I remember watching an episode of Bernie Mac and uh, they were in the grocery store shopping and the child got down on the floor because they wanted something. I don't remember whether it was the little boy or the little girl (laughs) down on the floor throwing a tantrum. And he was on the he was on the phone talking. He said, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Just a minute. And he jumped up and body slammed him. You could see him, you know, jumping down on him. (laughs) And that was so funny. But yeah, we have to take charge and we have to guide our children. Uh, I know that there's a lot of parents now, the younger ones, that they they give their children a choice. 
you know, do you want to uh, eat this or do you want uh, something else or do you want to go to bed now? Or, you know what I'm saying? It's like, no, no, you need to guide them. You need to, well, I don't want them to, again, like you said, trying to be their friend. Like you want to eat this or you want to starve? Which one? <laughs> right. Well, I had them type of parents that once they said it, you didn't negotiate nothing. Because my mama, she would look at you and say, I brought you in this world. I take you out. You just went on eating them vegetables off that plate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just and, too and, much and, you know, it's fun. Too much leeway among parents and children. And you remember, I think uh, they came out with children's rights or something a few, I think a couple of decades ago, all of a sudden children's rights was big in the news and you had to discuss things with your child and you had to give them uh, choices and you have to let them decide. And now look. <laughs> well, let me just, Elder Carol, let me just tell you. Hazelwood over at uh, Hazelwood East was teaching my daughter and all the, the teenagers over there that they have privacy in their home and the parents are supposed to do this, this, and that. So they gave us a list, right? She came home with that list and I had said to her, you know, you didn't clean the kitchen and that was your job. She said, but uh, we learned that uh, if I go in my room, you're not supposed to come in. I ain't going to lie, y'all. I forgot about the Lord because she shut that door when I was talking to her, and I paid the bills up in here, and I kicked that door innocent, and you get down there and clean that kitchen, and you tell your counselor that I said. So I took the list, and I ripped it up. Do you know the counselor called me later at school the next day? She said, well, Kenda said with her list, you ripped it up, and you did. And I told her, I said, I'll be right over there. I said, I don't have an eight-hour class. I said, I'll be over there to discuss it with y'all. <laughs> when I got done with them, that lady said, we ain't never going to call Miss Harper again. <laughs> I told her, uh-uh. And, and basically what I told her, I brought her in this world. My rules at my house, if you if she doesn't like them, I said, I can drop her clothes off there wherever you tell me to bring them because she can live with you. Mm, mercy. Mercy. And, that, and, 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 and that's, that's parenting <laughs> at its finest. <laughs> That's parenting. I remember telling my children when they didn't want to obey, I would tell them, look, you have a choice. You can either do what I say or you can leave. So they would most of the time choose to leave. And then they would say, you put me out the house. No, I didn't. I didn't put you out. I gave you a choice. <laughs> and you chose to leave. Hey, so you know, when did they come back? How soon did it take for them to come back? Oh, it depends. When it's on time them. to eat, they get hungry <laughs> and they come back. <laughs> right. When it depends. Friends, parents kick them out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. You know, um, one thing too, parents used to say is wait till you have children, you know, and you see how you're going to act. And then once you, once you do have children, it's very true. Now it's a different story. Now that the shoes on the other foot. Now you want your kids to do chores you want them to do what you tell them to do. You want them to follow your rules, but you have to think back. Wow, I was really disrespectful to my mom. Now I see what she meant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you know that is so true because my mother used to tell us if you're gonna borrow the car, put the same amount of gas in the car that when you bring it back. And we used to bring my mother's car back on E. And I said, and then when my daughter did it one day, I said, you ain't never going to get the keys back. I said, you left my car on E. 
And she was like, oh, I thought you were going to put the gas in. I said, you can't drive my car no more. I said, I done turned it to my mama. I just left. <laughs> <laughs> That reminds me of that commercial on TV yeah. where guys teaching people not to become their parents. Right. Well, your parents had a lot of good, good characteristics, too. They weren't all bad. They had right. a lot of good characteristics. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, down at the near the bottom of paragraph 498.1, she says there's not one young man or young woman in 20 professing the present truth who heeds the Bible teachings. She said the youth do not even read the word of God enough to know its claims upon them. And yet these truth, these are the truths that will judge them in the end, in the great day of God, when young and old will be rewarded according to the deeds done in the body. And that's, that's something that, again, this applies to all of us. If we're not reading the Bible to know what its claims are upon us, we're going to be without excuse that in the end, those things that are contained in the word of God are going to judge us. We will not be able to say, well, Lord, I didn't know. We're just not going to be able to say that. Sister Karen, that was an, another paragraph that I put a comment to. I put down, how can we tell our kids to read? And I know it's new technology and I'm still, you know, I still have the old print. Where yeah, I just opened up the real Bible. And I said, if we're not putting it in, when they come to us with questions, we have nowhere to guide them. You understand what I'm saying? We can't mm-hmm. say, well, thus said the Lord, and I, you know, I can show you, or I can, you know, I want you to read. You know, even if you can't get specific, you can say it's in Matthew 13, you know, take some time to read it. But if we haven't put it in, how can we teach it to our children? And I said, and like I said, I don't think it's it's an age thing. I think people have gotten, to me, the pandemic, even though, like I said, the, the, good, the, the terrible things that came out, people dying and everything, but it was a time that you could spend alone. And if you, you know, if you lived in a house with somebody, you could have got in the word and just really spent that time since you couldn't go nowhere. You can have spent quality time with God. Not to say people didn't didn't spend time with God before, but the quality of time during the pandemic, I said, I did miss it. I said, I understood that there was so much I did not learn. Hmm. That's a good point. It's like, how, how, how are we using our time during this shelter at home? Uh, well, we're actually kind of coming out of it right now, but yeah. Good thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah um and then the next paragraph she's talking about what john i guess john the revelator has written and he said i've written to you young men because ye are strong and the word of god abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one love not the world neither the things that are in in the world because if any man loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world lust of the eyes I'm sorry, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And that's, and, and, and that's something that all of us just need to take to heart. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. All this other stuff is going to pass away. All of it's going to burn up. Every bit of it's going to burn up. But if we have him residing in our hearts, then that will abide forever.
Okay, uh, let's move on down to the next paragraph where she's talking about how what she is talking about applies to both the men, the young men and the women. She said, um, she said the youth are not, they're strong. They're not worn down with the cares and the weight of the years. Their affections are ardent. And if they withdraw these from the world and place them upon Christ in heaven, doing the will of God, they will have a hope of the better life that is enduring and they will abide forever, being crowned with glory, honor, immortality, and eternal life. But if the youth live to gratify the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they're seeking for the things of the world, pleasing their great adversary and separating themselves from the father. Have any of you ever heard that it's the youth that's going to finish the work? I've heard it. Yeah. I've read that it's the youth that's going to finish the work. So, you know, you have to look at it and you say, okay, God, you have to pour out of your spirit upon the youth of, to, of today because they're just really not interested at this point. They're really not, mo I'm, I'm not and I'm not going to say across the board because there are some very spiritually minded young people. There are. Uh, but by and large, what I encounter is young people who have no desire to spend time in the word or in prayer or um, have a, a, a spiritual life. And Sister Karen, I think I kind of experienced a difference because I can listen to them as they talk. And I'm like, where I thought they were listening and they didn't care. When you listen to some of their conversations, they are into the, they are into asking questions about the word, but uh -huh. they I just think that their guidance is like, well, you know, if so and so did this and she been in, in the church for years, must be all right. See what I'm saying? Instead of them saying, wait a minute, maybe we need to be following God's character and, and traits and not looking at people. But they watch people, and, they, and, to, and to them, it's like if, if nobody at the church and she wanted to say the highest, you know, saints at the church, then it must be all right. And it, it, it's, it's misplaced in them comparing themselves or looking at other people instead of looking at what God expects of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, that's not limited to the youth. <laughs> mm -hmm. A lot of us do that. Yes, we have our eyes on the wrong person, you know, and 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 um, I was reading something or listening to something and they said, well, I do it because you do it. You know what? You got your eyes on the wrong person. You shouldn't do it. If, if you if you're godly and, and trying to live a godly life, you shouldn't do it just because somebody else is doing it. That should not be your response. And, you know, I think when I was growing up and they were always talking about Muhammad and then they brought up how many of those late young people that were in his church that were having babies by him. And, you know, and I, and I always thought I said in those people, when I grew up, if you said something about Muhammad, you know, you get your head chopped off, you know, because he was just I mean, they, they worshiped this man. But then when it was brought out, like I said, about, you know, the babies and then. My father had a lot of Catholic friends, even though he wasn't Catholic. And when you think about the things that they did to kids, it was like, you know, they worship these people in positions. And I'm like, and people look to them instead of looking for Christ. So when they fail, they're like, well, what do I say to my kids now? You know what I'm saying? Hmm. You talking about Elijah Muhammad? 
Patsy? Uh-huh. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay, yeah. And then you, like I said, then you think of those Catholic and kids came up saying, this is what those priests were doing to me. But it was to the point that, you know, children weren't supposed to say anything because you don't say that against, you know, what is the bishop or whatever. And so, you know, it, and it left a lot of kids, you know, at this thing, well, do we say something when something's being done to us? But these are the these are the Christians and the high people in the church. Yeah, it's always terrible to have kids keeping secrets, you know, because that just means you're doing something that shouldn't be done anyway. Uh, remember when people, uh, parents used to say, do what I say, not what I do? Well, as Christians, uh -huh. we should be able to say, do what I say and do what I do. Uh -huh. Ideally speaking, but sometimes uh -huh. it's not true. Yeah, and they always say that your actions are the loudest sermon. Uh -huh. But... <laughs> You have heard somebody say, well, I don't know where that child got that from, but, but they'll say, somebody will knock on the door, tell them I'm not home, or, 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 or a bill collector call, tell them I'm not here. Uh -huh. exactly. and then they, and then they, but then they want to beat the lying tongue out of their children, Yep. you know? And uh, so it's like, you know what? Children watch everything and they see everything. You'd be surprised how much you may not even think they're watching. They may be doing something else altogether in the room. I remember one time um, I was over uh, uh, someone's house for Sabbath dinner and the kids were downstairs playing and, you know, they were young people, but they were downstairs, you know, teenagers, they were downstairs. And so the, the, the man of the house said, he said, um, he said, watch this. He said, he said, my kids will, you know, they hear me wherever they are. We were like, yeah, right. Because, you know, when there's a lot of people in the house, the adults were talking and then the kids were not even on the same floor. And he said, uh, he, he, he called his son's name. And we, we were just laughing. Oh, yeah, right. Ha, 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 ha. Do you know that with, in less than a minute, that child was standing before him? Yes, sir. Did you call me? I was, we were like, wow. We were absolutely amazed that, he was so in tune to his father's voice that even when he was somewhere else engaged in, you know, conversation with his friends and stuff, he heard his father from a whole another part of the house calling his name. That's how we should be in response to Jesus. We should be able to hear him through everything that's going on in our lives. Everything that's going on around us, we should know the voice of Jesus and be responsive to his voice. Amen. Uh, let's see. Down in the near the bottom of the next paragraph, 499.1, she says, Paul exhorts the youth to sobriety. She says, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded and in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. And then on down in the next paragraph, she says, many of the youth are reckless in their, in their conversation. They choose to forget that by their words, they are to be justified or condemned. And all should take heed to the words of our Savior. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. 
For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Any comments? You know, one thing that I thought about is that when it was talking about music earlier in the opening of this chapter, and she was talking about the music and the frivolity of it, and, the, and basically, I'm just going to say the idleness of it because it leads not to God. And I thought about the fact of, of um, just listening to the idle words of other people and how does that affect us? What do you guys think about that? I mean, like for instance, uh, what does gossip do for us if we're the listener and not the one speaking it? But you know, with if if you're around people that are not saying positive things, even though you don't say anything, you tend to keep that in your mind and you think about that, whether you like it or not. I'm being honest. And I said, you know, it, it won't be long before you be partakers of something negative. You keep hanging around people that's, you know, negative. Well, by beholding, you do become changed. And that's very true. And if I'm going to behold something, let me behold something that's close to God that I can learn from and be able to, you know, uh, get closer to Christ. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That goes back to guarding the avenues of your soul. Um, like you said, guarding who you hang out with, <laughs> you know, um, because what is it? Uh, how does that scripture go? Bad company corrupts good character or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, let's see. On down in the middle of paragraph 500.1, she says, if envious feelings dwell in the heart, they will be manifested in words and acts. And those who measure themselves by others do as others do and make no higher attainments, excusing themselves because of the faults and wrongs of others are feeding on husk and will remain spiritual dwarfs as long as they gratify Satan by thus indulging their own unconsecrated feelings. That goes back to measuring yourself by someone else instead of by Christ. Um, and Christ should be our example in terms of the Christian character that we're trying to attain to. And but not you know, Karen, with, with our young people, society has got them thinking, you have to look a certain way, you got to weight a certain way, and if they don't, if, you know, their self-esteem goes down and they're like, well, I'm not good because, you know, I don't, I don't have, and I, I've heard one little girl say, if I had long hair and stuff, and like them other girls, because I was in the store and I met one of my students, and she was saying, my daughter is always Miss Harper comparing herself with other people. She said, I never did that in high school. I said, this is a different generation. So she was like, but I try to tell my mom if I have long hair like the rest of them and, and stuff, that they'll, I, I'll feel better and they'll treat me better. And I thought, that's really sad that society has made our, our young people think if I don't look a certain way and I don't weight a certain weight, then I'm no good. You know, that's uh, true around the world that there are people whose only aim is to look good, you know, even to the um, 
to the extent that they don't actually try to be good or to actually attain stuff honestly, but just to like like you putting on a cover to cover up their real selves with material goods or with whatever um, outward appearance. And we were watching some documentaries and it seems like every culture has their, I guess what you call, what they call beauty. You know, they'll do different things like some women put red mud in their hair and that's beauty. And some put um, yellow coloring all over their face and that's beauty. Everybody has their own look at it. But what God wants for us to do is to cultivate a beautiful spirit, a beautiful character. You know, those are the things that really matter to him. Outward appearance, that's okay. You know, we all want to look nice. And of course, you do want to look nice. You don't want to just look like you don't care about yourself. But to take it to an extent where it's the lust of the eyes type of thing, that's not important to God. But we make it so important to us because we want to be seen by others as having attained, even though we may have not yet attained truthfully. We just want to look good. <laughs> mm -hmm. right. Not necessarily be good. Right. Uh, let's move on down to paragraph 500.2, where she starts talking about uh, the youth are full of self-love. And then she talks about how they want their portraits painted, I guess is what this sounds like here. Uh, how, what does that translate into in our day, instead of youth wanting their portraits painted? Like being on Instagram, taking selfies. Taking selfies, selfies. right. <laughs> <laughs> and just love to see themselves and plaster themselves all over Facebook and Instagram and all the other social media platforms, you know, just, just, just uh, a plethora of pictures of themselves in different poses and different, different ways. Just go too far. Well, I, I got to defend the you filters and all that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I, I got, I got to defend the youth. The youth ain't the only one doing that. Some of these people that's, you know, older are doing it, and I guess it's, they they trying to make themselves look more what sexually or more ex exciting to the the opposite race. But our youth are the only ones doing that. People just go too far with stuff, in my opinion. It's okay you like to take a picture to yourself or your kids or whatever, but you shouldn't be twenty four seven taking selfies and putting yourself <laughs> up on Facebook and Instagram. There's more to life than that. And that's what she's saying is that the youth just waste away hours on that kind of stuff where mm -hmm. you could be doing something more positive, building up your knowledge or taking a school course or studying scripture, doing something that's going to build you up instead of just have you looking cute. Mm -hmm. More to life than just looking cute and right. looking handsome. Right. Uh, near the bottom of paragraph 501.1, she says, every defect in the moral character stands revealed to the gaze of angels, and they will have the faithful picture presented to them in all its deformity at the time of the execution of the judgment. These vain, frivolous words are all written in a book. These false words are written. These deceptive acts whose motives were concealed from human eyes, but discerned by the all-seeing eye of Jehovah, are all written in living characters. Every selfish act is exposed. And again, this applies to more than just the youth. Um, every defect in our moral, moral characters, if not overcome, will be exposed in the judgment. And so 
all of us should be striving to enter in at the straight gate because that's what it's going to take um, to be there and to see Jesus with our own eyes. Um, let's, see. let's move down to paragraph 502.1. She says, the consciousness of right doing is the best medicine for diseased bodies and minds. She says, the special blessing of God resting upon the receiver is health and strength. She said, a person whose mind is quiet and satisfied in God is in the pathway to health. So here she's, she's, she's talking about the best way to secure your own physical health. And I imagine your mental health also. Um, and um, doing right is the best thing, is the best way to, to, to secure that. Um, she says to have a consciousness that the eyes of the Lord are upon us and his ears are open to our prayers is a satisfaction. To know that we have a never failing friend in whom we can confide all the secrets of the soul is a privilege which words can never express. So basically she's talking about a relationship with Christ. Um, that's the best, best health for the soul and the body is to have a, a, a living relationship with Jesus Christ, have a close relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and she says those whose moral faculties are beclouded by disease are not the ones to rightly represent the Christian life or the beauties of holiness. She said they are too often in the fire of fanaticism or the, cold, or the water of cold indifference or stolid gloom. And so the words of Christ are of more worth than the opinions of all the physicians in the universe, which are his word is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. This is the first great object. So it, it's so funny because we as human beings, our tendency is to seek other things first and then ask God to make those things be what we want them to be or go the way we want them to be instead of seeking Christ first. And then he has promised everything else will fall into place for you. After that, if you just seek me first, put me first, seek me first, everything else will fall into place. And he also says in his word that, um, that if, if we delight ourselves in him, what will he do? Anybody know the end of that scripture? If we delight ourselves in him, he will give us the desires of our hearts. So it goes right along with seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And then everything else will be added unto us. If we delight ourselves in him, he will give us the desires of our hearts. So we, we get it backwards when we put all the things, other things first, and then Christ on the tail end. Or not at all, some people, not at all. And you know, Sister Karen, I watched the young lady, and you guys know her quite well, is <laughs> Cheyenne. And I watched her, how she carried herself, you know, around the kids and stuff. And when she came home, she would always come over and volunteer at the church. So I wrote her a letter for, her, you know, for her to put it, to take back to her school, you know, and, uh, and Carla read it. And I told him, I said, someday God is going to use her to reach out to young people and they're going to ask her, how, what did you go, you know, what did you do to get yourself to that point? And I said, she's basically just going to say, I trusted in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's, 
that's what we all have to do is just trust in the Lord and, and, and obey him, follow him and obey him out of love, not out of fear or any of that stuff, but obey him out of love. You're absolutely right about that. Okay, we're going to stop here for today. So the next time we come back to this chapter, we will pick up at paragraph 502.2. Um, were there any uh, other remarks that anyone wanted to make as far as what we discussed already today? Well, I just want to say, even after I read this and they talked about the youth, I've seen places in there that I need improvements on too. And I said, it's, I guess I guess I want to say I'm young at heart. I said, but I didn't take this as being just for the youth. I took it as I need to look at some things too and change. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's the great thing about uh -huh. reading and studying uh, the spirit of prophecy along with the word of God, of course, first and foremost, but is that we, things are presented that we can relate to or see in our characters. And that's, that, that's the whole purpose of studying is so that we can, these things will come to light and we will say, Hey, you know what? I need to pray about that. I need to work on that. I need to, whatever the case may be for, for each one of us, uh, as far as what strikes us and say, Hey, you know what? I need to work on that. So that's the great thing about this, this class and about, um, studying, uh, is that, you know, things come to the surface that may not have otherwise come to the surface. Um, and with that, there's no other comments. We're going to close out the, the uh, class for today. Lee, what are we studying next week? Uh, we're on chapter 15 in the book Heaven, and we're at paragraph 138.1. Okay. And that starts out, in heaven all is purity and peace. Okay. I'm just going to make a note of that. Chapter 15. 138, paragraph 138.1, and the okay. subheading is, in heaven, all is purity and peace. Okay. Okay. Well, with that, Lee, will you close out for us okay. in prayer? Dear Father, we thank you so much for a good time and enjoyable time fellowshipping with each other, studying your word and discussing our thoughts and our feelings, dear Lord, and what your word has said, spoken unto us. We ask and pray that you'll be with each family represented, Lord. Help us always to be faithful servants of God and friends to man. In your blessed name, Jesus, amen. 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 All right. Uh, let me just make sure he takes us off of live.